You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Yeah, that was a uh, very uh, spring-forward answer, I feel like. Angie helped put the morning into perspective for me. She said, I'm so glad it's spring-forward because the sunlight, you know? And that's just not where I'm at this morning. So I was like, thank you for that because I've been grumbling all morning. Um, I, I was reflecting this morning also on the fact that this is essentially two years to the date uh, that everything got shut down. That's wild, isn't it? Um, and church has looked differently over the course of the last two years. And to be honest, um, I think when, when that all like, happened, I think we're in Tasha's living room uh, two years ago to this Sunday, having worship, there was 10 of us, and we thought, oh, we can do this for a couple weeks, Right? Then we'll be back, and uh, two weeks turned into what is now today. And uh, you know what? We're still here as a church family, and we've been able to welcome in some new folks. And God has done so many beautiful things in this chaotic, messy couple years. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm just like moved by that, and I'm grateful for all of you. Thank you for, thank you for being my family during this time. Um, I think I think that's something beautiful to be grateful to God for that we've uh, we've had each other and we've had spaces, not always a physical space, sometimes a Zoom space, right? Sometimes a Facebook Live crashing on Easter space. Uh, sometimes a Letty Park beach space where uh, caterpillars are dropping on you while you're preaching or worshiping. Nasty, right? <laughs> think you guys remember that? Yes. Yes. If you weren't there, I was preaching, and there was a caterpillar that dropped on me, and I, I whacked it, and I crushed it. it was, and I said, nasty. And here I am again repeating that. You guys tried to for, forget that. Um, so, yeah. Thanks for being Thanks for being my church family, and thanks for being a church family to one another. I'm grateful for all of y'all. Well, um, today we are continuing our Lent series, which will continue until Easter Sunday, as Lent does. Sometimes we like to break the liturgical calendar here. At Church at the Wall, we're not doing that this year. We're going to finish on Easter Sunday. And there's something beautiful about engaging the church calendar scripture and practices as a church family in such an intentional way because we get to engage with one another. We create this shared experience by engaging the church calendar, whether it's the Lenten reader, whether it's a teaching series, whether it's spiritual practices um, that the church is engaged. But we also get to um, engage the larger church community, the global church community, and have a, a shared experience with followers of Jesus all around the world. And so to me, that's a beautiful thing. And not only that, 
but we participate with the historical church in practices and rhythms and calendars which have been engaged for hundreds, uh, some which go back for a couple thousand years to the very um, first church, the very early church and those first followers of Jesus. And in the past, I've been a part of church communities where liturgical rhythms and practices, they were less valued. And I think we're kind of discovering the value of, of liturgical rhythms and practices here at Church at the Well. But I think there, there may have been some times in different church communities that I found myself a part of where there's been a fear that liturgy practices rhythms would in some way be like a hindrance to the work of the Spirit. There wasn't, uh, they weren't viewed as like there's not enough freedom in it. And so the Spirit can't work in that. But what I've come to discover, and what I think we're discovering as a church community as well, is that there can be tremendous power in engaging liturgical seasons and practices. And you know that's the case if you engage the Lenten reader at all, because Abby's uh, questions and prayer prompts are uh, leading us into spaces, I believe, where the Spirit of God is changing us, shaping us, transforming us. But I believe that the Spirit of God can use these seasons, these practices to, shame, to change and shape us in powerful and unexpected ways, especially when we have the opportunity to engage Scripture and the Word of God. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a scripture from today's lectionary reading. It's from the book of Philippians in chapter 3. We're going to be reading from verse 17 to chapter 4, verse 1. And we are going to be exploring what it looks like to be citizens of heaven and to follow the way of Jesus. And so if you have your Bible, you can turn to Philippians 3. And make it down to verse 17. We will also have the scripture on the screen for you as well. Verse 17. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Uh, 4 verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my dear friends. And so I mentioned that the two things we're going to focus on this morning are what it means to be a citizen of heaven and what it looks like to follow the way of Jesus, and not only follow the way of Jesus, but specifically the way of the cross. And so we're going to start by looking at verse 17, which reads, Join together in following my example. Paul writing to the Philippian church. Now, I had a friend who reached out to me recently within the last few weeks, and he had some concerns about this specific verse and some other verses that are similar in the New Testament. 
And they're expressing a concern that verses like this could be used to contribute to what they observed as toxic and abusive church culture, specifically toxic, toxic and abusive leadership. And the questions that they posed to me were, were centered around this idea of, aren't we supposed to be following Jesus? Like, not church leaders or other people. And can a verse like this contribute to uh, that toxic, abusive cultures that I've observed? Uh, I'm sure Adam and Abby would uh, agree with me, but don't we just get the easiest questions sometimes? Just out of the blue. Um, softballs, right? No, I'm, I'm obviously kidding. Uh, this, this is a deep questions, right? And I'm sure that we can guess, and I would presume that questions like these, they come from uh, not just a mere curiosity, not like a theological, I just have this like theological curiosity. Sometimes they do. But I've found that in fact, questions like these, they're often rooted in a deep wound or a pain. And I lament that questions like those uh, need to be asked. And at the same time, it's also this sacred privilege to walk with those who are wrestling with doubt and with questions and with brokenness. And I'll let you in on a secret as well. Pastors aren't immune to doubt, questions, wrestling with faith, with um, um, hurt. We're not immune to that. I'm not immune to that. And I've unfortunately uh, observed that very type of abusive cult culture, um, church culture that my friend was asking about and was concerned about too often, and it's heartbreaking. There are also a couple false narratives in the question that was asked, likely not rooted in the scripture verse themselves, but in the lived experience, in the heartache, in the personal uh, experience. Because elsewhere, Paul writes, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And so the invitation, it's important to note here in Philippians in verse 17 is not blindly follow those who have leadership positions because they are in leadership positions. The invitation is rooted in following Jesus. And so we're going to see this uh, and explore this in a bit more depth as we uh, unpack this passage a bit more. But following Jesus is rooted in the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is always motivated by love and the selfless giving of oneself for others. Paul is not inviting them to follow him in any other way than in the ways in which he is following Jesus and the way of the cross. And even more in this verse, you'll, you'll notice it's not really about him as well. He's encouraging the Philippian church to look to one another as examples. They are to reflect to one another the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. And this is one of the ways I believe that we're able to, as Paul encourages there in that last verse that we read, chapter 4, verse uh, 1, stand firm in the Lord in this way. 
This is the way, right? This, any of you Mandalorian fans? Uh, because we have one another to look to as we follow Jesus. Uh, an example of this in my own life, I had a, a friend who I met in Bible college. His name was Ashish, and Ashish was just an incredible friend, but other than that, I have always really admired his ability to follow Jesus in transitions and in difficult ways in which he's invited to follow Jesus in the way of the cross in a way that can kind of hurt a little bit. And I remember this one time in Bible college, uh, and Ashish was always like really aware of where technology was going before anyone else. I remember he invited me to join Twitter before uh, anyone knew what Twitter was. Some of you might not still know what Twitter is. Uh, and uh, he was actually kind of engaging some of like the early blogging movement while I was in college. And he had some really successful, um, he had a really successful blog in our time in Bible college. And I remember thinking that was like really cool because he was engaging with all of these uh, professors and philosophers and theologians uh, on the internet. And he had a mentor in his life who spoke to him about the ways in which he was uh, not not exactly the his blogs, but the kind of there was a at the same time a movement of deep uh, cynicism uh, for the community of faith that was kind of not only critiquing but kind of coming like being like really aggressive and uh, uh, toxic as well, and this was impacting Ashish in a, in kind of a negative way. And I remember him giving up blogging and writing for a season of time. And I, I never quite got it because I didn't see him contributing to that same kind of abusive tone. And at the same time, uh, for Ashish, it was a way of him laying down um, and following Jesus in, in a way to experience the resurrection of Jesus. Um, and so that was like kind of one way I observed that in his life. And then uh, after that uh, him and his wife and his family, after we graduated Bible college, they moved to Seattle to plant a church. And while they were doing so, they were beginning their church by, invite, by doing this really novel thing. Um, they were inviting friends and families and coworkers who didn't know Jesus to their home to share meals where um, they could just get to know each other to build community and, and were... Ashish was able to share the gospel with his neighbors, with his coworkers. Uh, he had there's like an apartment building where basically like everyone was invited to dinner, and he had this vision of building a church community in Seattle that was motivated by a verse in scripture uh, to be a, a community of faith, hope, and love. And I remember hours and hours and hours of having this conversation with Ashish about how he wanted the church, what he wanted the church to look like, and I really think he was equipped to lead and plant a church like that. And while he was starting the church and starting these dinners, he also was attending a small congregation a couple blocks away in his neighborhood that didn't look like the type of church that he was interested in leading and starting and planting. And he started to engage that church community, get to know the folks in that church community because he didn't really have a community of other followers of Jesus to encourage him in that space because it was kind of just this din these dinners thing. 
And he began to serve in that church community. And eventually, um, months later, I was speaking with him. Hey, like, what's going on with that church plant thing? And he ended up uh, actually just kind of finding himself rooted in this other local church community. And it wasn't a part of his plan at all, but it was a part of the way that the Spirit of God was inviting him to follow Jesus. And in that, there was probably a lot of pain and heartache that he experienced, like the death of a dream and a vision and what he expected things to look like when he moved to Seattle. They looked differently. And yet, it wasn't... uh, he didn't let that move him into like a, a space of like cynicism or, uh, or frustration. It actually was an opportunity for him to experience like the resurrection life of Jesus. And I always admired that because I don't, I, I don't know if uh, I would be able to engage those moments and those transitions in my own life without people who are examples of following the way of Jesus to me. And so that's why it's important for us to look to one another as we follow Jesus. And yes, as we do so, churches will let you down. Pastors will let you down. Leaders will let you down. Friends will let you down. And it might be messy and painful at times, but when the way of Jesus is the center of it all, it's worth it. And it will in some way lead to resurrection. And so let's look at verse uh, 18 through 21. For as often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Now it's a timely season, I think, to ask the question, what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? For the church in the West especially, this is a timely question and of which we're a part of, and perhaps particularly the American church. It's an important question to wrestle with because of the rise of uh, what some might call like toxic uh, Christian nationalism, racial division in our country, xenophobia, which is the fear or hatred of strangers and foreigners. Uh, it's important to ask the question, what does it look like? What does it mean? to be a citizen of heaven. And so it might be helpful to briefly talk about uh, what a citizen of heaven is not. A citizen of heaven is not someone who lives in isolation from culture and the world in, in pursuit of a disembodied spirituality. One might come to the conclusion, I think, by reading a text like this in, 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 a, shallow, in a shallow manner, which speaks of enemies of the cross being their God is their stomach and their mind is set on earthly things that uh, it, it would be incorrect as we read this to conclude that God does not care about the earth, does not care about creation material, material and physicality. In fact, scripture begins with uh, God declaring everything that he has created as good. 
That's where scripture begins. And we see in the redemptive narrative throughout scripture and in the gospels that God is restoring, renewing, and reconciling all things to himself. And that includes the created world. That's a whole nother sermon. And actually, Abby and Adam recently preached on this in our Thessalonians series in week four and week six. So if you missed it, just go and listen to those podcasts. You'll only have to scroll a few weeks to get to those. Uh, Also, a citizen of heaven is not someone who has special privileges and access to God. God's desire is always more expansive than ours. God's desire is always more expansive in nature than ours. We love borders, exclusivity. Uh, We love our tribe, right, our people. But God's desire has always been to invite humanity into relationship with himself, into relationship with the triune God who is community. And so a, a citizen of heaven is one who is participating with God in his work of restoring, renewing, and reconciling all of creation. And a citizen of heaven is one who is participating with God in expanding the community of God by inviting others into the shalom and peace and love of God, which exists within the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And how do we do this? What does it look like? So that's what it means. What does it look like? We do this by following the example of Jesus, specifically by following the way of the cross. And so I mentioned earlier, uh, Paul's invitation was to follow him as he follows the way of Jesus. But I'm going to let Paul speak for himself because he actually lays this out pretty clearly just a few more verses earlier in chapter 3, verses 7. But whatever gains to me, whatever regains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. That first part sounds really good. That second part sounds a bit more difficult. And so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now, we'd we'd need a whole other sermon to unpack this, so I'll just give you one sentence. It's important to note that our invitation and our path into citizenship is through faith In Jesus, our sins are forgiven and we receive the free gift of reconciliation through faith in Christ. And a citizen of heaven is then someone who then follows the way of Jesus and the way of of the cross as we see Paul articulates here. And Lent is a season when we evaluate and consider the ways in which we are following the way of the cross. And it's a season in which we consider the ways in which we are not following the way of the cross. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. If you're a Pentecostal like me, that gets you fired up. Yes and amen. 
Resurrection Sunday, Easter Sunday, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Lent is a reminder that we get to the resurrection through the way of the cross. Uh, There's a video I saw posted by The Guardian uh, when Russia first began to invade Ukraine. I I'm not going to show the video because there's some inappropriate language in it, but the video records this this elderly Ukrainian woman boldly approaching an invading Russian soldier. Um, To me, what seems to be a form of guerrilla protest, and in some ways perhaps uh, like a a prophetic gesture uh, with... Uh, sunflower seeds. If you've, uh, you may have seen uh, these beautiful fields of sunflowers in Ukraine. Um, there's kind of something that they're known for. It's something that's kind of iconic in Ukraine. And she walks up uh, to these shoulders, the soldiers, and she says to them, "Take these seeds and put them in your pockets, so at least sunflowers will grow when you all lie down here." Sheesh. Now, (laughs) I bring this up not to imply that the way of the cross is to wish death on our enemies. And actually, I don't think that that's what that woman was doing here. Though I was certainly captivated by this woman's courage to approach the Russian soldiers as such like a powerful form of guerrilla protest. And I mentioned it like it also has this kind of like prophetic feel to it, right? It reminds me of uh, prophets in the Old Testament who were empowered by the Spirit at times to act out against evil and injustice and confronted empire, sometimes very uh, directly. And I, I, I wonder if there's a metaphor for us this morning in that image, because to follow the way of Jesus is to follow the way of the cross. And the way of the cross is always motivated by love and selfless giving. And we are invited to lay our lives down for the sake of others as we follow Christ. Um, And sometimes we would presume that following the way of Jesus and the way of the cross would be something that always looks overtly spiritual. It can be. Uh, there is a way of laying your life down in ways, in, in manners in which that we would categorize as spiritual. Um, how many of you know Mark Pedersen? Probably most of y'all here, right? Mark is a, a part of the vision team here at Church of the Well. Um, he is a retired pastor, and because he's a retired pastor, that means he gets the pastor here at Church at the Well for free. We don't pay him because he's, re- he's retired. So there's no need to pay him for his labor and his work. And I, I know he's a pastor and he cares for many of you, but uh, many of you as well will know this about Mark. And, and many of you who don't know that Mark prays on a weekly basis for our church community and for individuals in our church community. And many of you have experienced that here on a, on a Sunday, right? Many of you experience that maybe on Zoom with Mark or on a phone call or uh, in a living room or around a dinner table. 
And to me, that's an example of Mark laying his life down for the sake of others as he follows the way of Jesus. And at our vision team meeting this last Friday, after we, uh, we conclude, our, our vision team is essentially a group of elders at Church at the Well who kind of are representative of the rest of the church community. And we discuss where the church is going, sometimes really practical things like oh, we have to move, we can't be at the film house, where do we go? We go to the higher ground. Um, and a lot of times we're discussing um, all of you and, and how we can pray for you. And at the end of our meeting, wasn't on the agenda, but Mark started to cry, because if you know Mark, he cries. And he had this yellow paper, um, because, I don't know, he just wants to hand you paper. This is just like something he got in the mail from an organization called Convoy of Hope. And... He, it was almost like he didn't know how to give it to us, but he was clearly moved um, by Convoy of Hope's work in Ukraine and on the Polish border who are providing humanitarian aid um, to those who are, who are in need due to the ongoing crisis in Ukraine. And so Mark's a man of prayer, and so he's following the way of Jesus by engaging um, something that we might categorize as overtly spiritual, and yet also motivated by empathy and, the, and compassion that comes from the Spirit of God to tears in a, in a meeting, and he doesn't know how to give us. So he's like, hey, tell people about this if you can, <laughs> because he's moved to empathy by some very real, practical, physical uh, needs. And so to me, those are both examples of following the way of the cross. One you might categorize as overtly spiritual. One, meeting very practical needs. And so uh, the question I want to leave you with this morning is how might the Spirit of God be inviting you into the way of the cross during this Lenten season? Maybe it's in prayer. Maybe it's by engaging the Lenten reader. Maybe it's in giving sacrificially of your finances to an organization like Convoy of Hope or World Central Kitchen or Save the Children. Or maybe it's by giving through the Afghan Refugee Donation Drive, which you can engage with the flyers that Abby had handed out in by the tree in the lobby here. And uh, we weren't able to hear from uh, Lisa Marie Thibault, but she'll be joining us at some point here at Church at the Well, hopefully soon, where she's going to be able to share some other opportunities where we're going to have to deeply uh, engage the needs of our Afghani brothers and sisters who are coming and who have arrived here in Vermont. And I believe this, that as you follow the way of the cross and you lay your life down for others as an act of love and selfless giving, that you will also be a conduit for Christ's resurrection life. And so uh, we're going to close in prayer in a moment. Um, but I would ask for a couple volunteers. I have some sunflower seeds to hand out to y'all. Packs of sunflower seeds. These are like a collection of different varieties, heirloom varieties. They're not to be eaten. Maybe you could. But don't sue Church at the Well if you do. I wouldn't consider eating them. Uh, they're for planting. Thanks, John. Um, and these packets of seeds, uh, I would probably hold off on planting them right away. I think it's still a bit too uh, chilly out. But to me, um, there's something for you to put in your pocket. 
I'm not wishing death upon you. But I would invite you this week to reflect on the question, how might the Spirit of God be inviting you into the way of the cross during Lent? And so maybe keep those seeds in your pocket for a little bit as you reflect on that. And then if you do plant those seeds, um, I read that you have to plant them in somewhere that has a lot of sunlight, full sunlight, shallow, just a little bit of dirt on top. Um, But if you do plant them, um, when they begin to blossom, may they be a reminder to you that the way of the cross and the way of Jesus, even though it can be painful and you're participating in Christ's suffering, it is also a way of participating in Christ's resurrection. As the Mandalorian says, this is the way. Let's pray, church. Jesus, we thank you that uh, you set us an example of what it looks like to be conduits of God's love and the selfless giving that exists within the community of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. And we reflect on a verse earlier in Philippians which reads that even though you considered yourself equal to God, even though you were equal to God, you did not grasp it. Instead, you humbled yourself. You humbled yourself as a servant to the point of death, even death on a cross. And you set that example for us, Jesus. We pray that as a church family in all of our brokenness and uh, hurt and at times doubt and dysfunction, that we would be able to reflect to one another the way of Jesus, the way of the cross. And so this week, we ask your spirit to speak to each of us. How can we follow the way of the cross this Lent season? And in that way, participate in your sufferings, but also find our way to resurrection and Resurrection Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.